welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Fearon, co-author with Peter Vale of the digital book on practice as a way of being. Find it at mylibrary.world. And now to our show. Okay. Well, folks, you know, I can't find anyone interested here in the United States anymore to put into my podcast, you know, 400 million people, simply not enough. So once again, I reach back to the UK <laughs> to a fellow who's living just outside London and who uh, appeared on LinkedIn a few more times to the extent that he caught my eye. And I thought, Gary Lloyd, now there's someone who's interesting. And in part because he has a book that came out recently called Gardeners Not Mechanics. And it suggested to me his philosophy about how to coach, teach, and be uh, in a managerial leadership role. I just learned, since Gary and I are just meeting for the first time in face-to-face over Zoom, uh, that he had been involved for quite a long while in aspects of leading change. And Peter Vale, some of you know I talk a lot about a lot, once said that you really can't find leadership being done unless you can associate it with a moment of change. Watch closely and you'll see leading being done, sometimes by person with authority to do it, but many times the first person who's moved by it and says, hey, you know, we're uncertain, but I think we can learn and get ourselves in a new direction. So Gary, I'm delighted to meet you. And yes, there are lots of interesting people over here in the States. Yeah, I know some of them, Dave. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. <laughs> Let's go start. You know, first, let me say that, you know, I was thinking about this call and I thought, here I am, 80, going on 81. And I, I cannot overcome my fascination and don't want to with the, with the phenom of leadership. I mean, Gary, how many trillions of lines of text have been written and published about leadership? How many models? How many theories? How many people have associated a great career with being able to explain it and then have been debunked? I mean, it's a fascinating topic. And I just put out one little syllogism about look for change and you'll find a leader uh, or look for change not happening and you won't find a leader. Uh, but uh what has drawn, what drew you in and keeps you involved in the question of leadership? It's a difficult question to answer, but when I was young, um, I was reasonably good academically, and I was very good, I say immodestly, at two sports. Uh, one was basketball, and the other one was rugby, and they informed each other. Uh, yeah. because basketball gave me the skills to be a really uh, good uh, rugby player. And again, this is not uh, bragging, but I kept being made the captain of things. Somebody said somebody said to me, it's because you turned up, um, which is like one of the most uh, important things about leadership, I think, which is uh, – reliability and persistence and curiosity. Those are the three things I say to people attitudinally that mm-hmm. you don't have to have developed 
much skills in to be curious. You just have to be curious That's and right. to be reliable. If you're reliable, this is a bit harsh, but most people are not. Uh, and they're not for good reason. They make commitments they can't keep. But um, being reliable, I think, is not about doing everything come hell or high water. You know, there comes a time you say, oh, I, you know, I, I'll do that for you. But, you know, an early warning is handy when they can't do it uh, right and persistence in pushing through. So I kept finding myself in leadership positions. And it, it was an absolute uh curiosity to me and then when i went out into the world of work um the same thing kind of happened i kind of have a weird theory that you know that um either either uh you're kind of uh like me and you don't seek leadership positions and people give them to you because yeah. you've got those qualities or you're a psychopath if you want to get to the the top in a company you're absolutely determined you know you know where you're going. And I say company rather than organization because it's generally the for-profits that attach those people. And I and as I worked in um, banking, financial markets, investment banking most of my career, I've met pl plenty of psychopaths uh, in senior positions in, in, in those, those, those organizations. And uh, when, I, when I did my MBA, which I did, in my mid-30s, and I came back into the organization, uh, a lot of doors were open for me because I was sponsored to do my MBA. Mm -hmm. And I was paid uh, to go and do my MBA, essentially. It's mm -hmm. a great luxury. Um, and uh, I, when I came back, I came back into, I inherited uh, uh, a change program, which I was supposed to be the deputy on. Um, and in, this was in retail banking. Uh, and the guy that was the I was supposed to be the deputy to, uh, to left after about a week I was there, and I found myself in charge of uh, a budget <laughs> about. This is back in the mid nineties. I found myself in charge of a budget of about twenty five million and about seventy direct staff and God knows how much other stuff. And <laughs> um, it was it was a really really uh, really scary time. So again, accidentally, I found myself in a leadership position. And I guess reflecting back on it, not to go on too too long winded on this, is that um, I was interested to hear what you said because I've been saying this for a long time, um, and I said it on a mutual friends podcast, um, Scott Allen, um, which is that's uh, right, Scott Allen. Yeah, uh, leadership is about change. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, if it's not about change, you're not leading because. Um, yeah, either you're trying to achieve something or help a group of people achieve something, or the world is changing around you. The earth is spinning. If you stand stand still, you'll fall off. We're all moving with the earth. Or or and it's even more true now with uh, AI. I mean, I really believe I've seen a lot of um not uh you've got a few years on me, uh, Dave, but not that many. And I've seen, you know, I started my career, what, 45 years ago? That give you a, yeah. people can work out what, what that means. Yeah. And uh, I, I started in uh, engineering and went into technology and uh, then went, after my MBA, crossed over from what we would call the IT side to the business side. 
Uh, but everything I've done through my whole career has been technology enabled in some way, some form of technology enabled mm -hmm. uh, change, trying to reap the, the the benefits of technology. And I haven't, in all, there have been lots of fads in technology over that time. Oh, yeah. um, I haven't seen anything as transformative as where AI has got to. So le leading is about change and it's ever more about change, I think. Well, and with AI um, really just zooming, to use an analogy to what we're looking at each other with, zoom, zooming into our global consciousness, not just our individual consciousnesses. Uh, it, Jesus, Gary, I mean, you've been watching it a long while, I assume, but this chat GPC only appeared, what, a year or so ago? in terms of it being an available tool for us civilians and, uh, you know, something to tinker and play with and bings come up. So that's how fast this is coming on. Now, I know from having really good, smart colleagues who've been involved with this for a number of years and have a lot of very substantial conversations that uh, the various uh, pieces of what has become machine learning and then beyond have been a being cobbled together for, for a long, long while. But the accessibility to put it, you know, beside us as, as we work, as we teach, as we compute a bank uh, statement, whatever, that is new. And so who do we have next to us? That becomes the question. Is it someone that I can command and meet my needs? as an individual or as a company, or have I invited <laughs> one of those Stephen King characters? To Do you know Stephen mm. King? I know he's a main yeah, author. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, it, it, is it someone who has, you know, blonde blue eyes and dimpled cheeks and is looking up at me adoringly and is basically going to eat me alive? <laughs> so w what's your sense of AI now, friend or foe? Uh, both. <laughs> uh, like you know um i guess everybody's made the analogies with things like yeah, nuclear power um mm -hmm. that could be used for for good or bad i think i, I i've heard people say that uh, ai is um a general purpose technology um i think there's a temptation to think of it in terms of chat GPT or this or that. And increasingly we're going to see it just embedded into stuff. So it's like giving people electricity for the first time. Yeah. So is electricity a good thing or it's a bad thing? Well, I can think of lots of bad ways that electricity has been used mm -hmm. and there are lots of transformative things, mm -hmm. uh, positively transformative things, uh, not least medicine about the yeah. way the electricity is used and health and, and well-being. And, right. I, and, I, and I really believe like it's it's not some fancy database that's coming along that allows somebody to do banking a bit better. It's something that, you know, it's quite interesting, isn't it? You know, I, I, want, I think one of the things we're starting to see is that uh, there's going to be less keyboarding. Uh, predictions, particularly about the future, uh, are risky. But um, I think that we're going to see a lot uh, 
more voice orientated stuff as a consequence of the, the latest AI developments. If you if one watches Star Trek or indeed 2001 A Space Odyssey, people talk to their computers. This, yeah. this, this, now that that's that's here now and we can do that now. Yeah. It's a bit inconvenient to do it on a train if you're commuting into into, <laughs> into London. So I don't think the keyboard's going to die, but I think increasingly, particularly as, as more generations come through, the natural thing will be to uh, to talk to computers. So we'll, we're going to see the technology is just embedded in our everyday uh, uh, products, but I think it's going to make a really big shift in the way that people work. I was reading something um, earlier on to revise on something. A study was done with uh, the Boston Consulting Group. I don't know if you saw this, Dave. Mm. Um, who are top? Uh, they're a top. They're a top tier consultancy, right? Like McKinsey. They're not a, a, a Deloitte or a PwC or one of these. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. a top tier consultancy. Recruit from the best schools. Get the best people as as as, as far as far as they can. And there was a study that was done by it was a combination. So they they looked at 750 BCG consultants and gave them some tasks. Now the study was done with BCG by uh, uh, Harvard Business School, uh, Wharton, uh, Warwick Business School, and MIT. So some pretty top tier schools working with a top tier consultancy, mm -hmm. and the difference between people doing consultancy tasks as judged by a BCG panel between people without it and with it was 40% in terms of the quality of their, their output. So we're, for me there, we're looking at in the business world, I'm not so sure about the nonprofit because I don't, it's not nonprofit world. I don't know as well, but certainly uh, in the, in the business, in the business world at the top tier is making a big difference. So then what we find as we go down, and there have been other studies around this, if you take almost any discipline, it elevates the, let's call them the average performer, very close to the top performer and doesn't move the top performer. So it closes, it closes the gap quite significantly in anything we may get to do. And I think that's... Previous technologies that we've had, like the internet, haven't really no. had an impact on what we would call knowledge work. That's um, right. But I think this, and, and your, to your point, Dave, um, machine learning's been around for a long time. 2016, mm -hmm. uh, AlphaGo, uh, developed by uh, uh, DeepMind. There's a great film on AlphaGo, by the way, if you've never seen it. It's, no. it's, free, on, it's free on YouTube. It's a very human story. So 2016, it beat the world of uh, Go champion uh, four to one. That was that was based on machine learning. What's really interesting is a subsequent version called uh, Alpha Zero was trained. Alpha Go was trained on um, human games, uh, and it, it invented a move that no one had ever seen before. Mm -hmm. um, um, to beat Lee Seedol, who was the the world champion, um, uh, Alpha Zero, which came subsequently and is better, was trained on its own games. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> now I'm back at Stephen King. <laughs> so they they had it playing itself. Yeah, and did it lose <laughs> and win? <laughs> and, and learning from that was two, that was so that was two that was uh, that was 2016. But say to your point, um, 
it was 30th of November 2022. I've got to remember which year we're in. Uh, ChatGPT was launched yep. for free in every desktop or mobile. Anywhere you wanted it. And it completely changed the game because although AI has been around since, you know, when I started my career, we were playing around with AI stuff. But um, this really changed the game and large language models. And the large language models are a real gateway to AI because they allow people like you and I to talk to our computers, just like yeah. we're talking now, and ask them to do stuff or tell us stuff. I can't wait for the day. I, I've never learned to type, and I've got maybe a trillion lines of type that I've done. But uh, but I always I fantasize with that idea. Um, you know, many years ago, the idea that you could uh, converse with uh, with your computer and, and and have it even come out better than what you what you said, <laughs> I which, do that. I, which, which is now what it happens with what, 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 uh, Grammarly and these other things. <laughs> what happened? When I, when, when, when I, when chat GPT first landed, like everybody else, I, I say, I got it to write um, songs about leadership in the style of Bob Dylan um, mm -hmm. and things like that and played around with it. And then I read something somewhere about role play and at the time, I was uh, chair, co-chair of the mentoring program at Warwick Business School. And we were looking, the way that we ran that program was uh, alumni, experienced alumni of a certain age would mentor uh, students and younger alumni. And in, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure about the US, but here in Europe, a typical business school student is between 35 and 40. Yeah, I was a younger, to be, but... Uh, to, to, to be senior people here. I think in the U.S., sometimes people go straight on. That's right. Work. We we kind of discouraged it, but they said, the hell with it. we're going to get our MBA. We want to make an extra buck. But yeah, I get it. I get the age group you're talking so, so, about. So we've got experienced people, but then we wanted to... some mileage to, under them. We said, well, uh, we had the idea of running an experiment where students would mentor other students. That actually came, that idea came to me from listening to our friend Scott Allen's podcast again. And I listened to a guy called Tom Colditz. I don't know if you know uh, Tom. Um, no, I've, Tom I've, I've, I'm going to be talking with him, though. <laughs> oh, okay, great. Well, I mean, uh, you know, Tom, for, for listeners that haven't listened to that one yet, Tom ran the leadership program at uh, West Point. And then John Dore asked him to... Uh, set up the Dura Institute at Rice University. And they're absolutely fanatical about measuring the outcomes of leadership interventions. And I thought this was really interesting. Anyway, so Tom was talking about students mentoring other students. He talked about coaching and mentoring. Um, and um, it occurred to me uh, that for somebody that wasn't an experienced uh, leader manager call them what we will somebody that wasn't experienced that actually sort of and you the coaching is quite difficult in terms of coming up with good questions and especially if you're experienced avoiding coming up with advice yeah that and was just, a tough thing about mentoring you really couldn't do a how-to you know you had to yeah so, uh, so i inquisitive yeah. 
So I had a chat with ChatGPT and said, could could you role play a um, mentoring client or a coaching client? And it said, yeah, sure, I can do that. So I had a little practice and cut a long story short, that ended with me plugging some wires together and creating um, something which is on the web uh, now is um, a number of role-playing chatbots where somebody can go and practice their coaching skills. I think that's in wonderful. A, in a safe environment. And they can do that um, using voice or they can do it uh, through typing. And I have different levels of difficulty in there. Like people, that, when people first started to use it, they said that the clients are too insightful. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we start. I started this talking about leadership and in your book, gardening. But now I want to come to the uh, in, the insight that I'm getting right now that not only has the game changed, but we only just beginning to learn the game as it's now going to be played out. And my, going back to your rugby days, among other things, you knew how to play rugby and basketball and probably played it quite well. And they, and they topped that off with giving you leadership. Well, what's gonna happen next? If we're in the business of mentoring, coaching, preparing people to, lead and manage in the new game. Are we doing it correctly with the way we've organized our higher education, for example, for the last 200 years, you know, putting them through units, making, having them read, prove that they've read, show us their knowledge versus something more, what, different? <laughs> Perhaps less mechanistic and more like gardening? <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, although I've worked with uh, Work Business School, I'm not a professional educator, but I have read, I do follow certain educators online, and I, I've also um, written some uh, role plays for the AI, which helps people practice, you know, to do things like, so other things I've got on there are some, um, I've got a change leadership course on there. And let, well, let me take the change of leadership course that I created. So okay. the, 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 I've only created the first part of it uh, as an experiment. These are all experiments, Dave. They're not money-making ventures. They're just things I'm doing I because I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm still curious. Uh, <laughs> so, 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 so the, the uh, for want of a better term, I don't know what uh, an academic like yourself would say, but I've kind of, t uh, in my thinking, is that I've taken the kind of Socratic approach to it. Um, so, um, there's a short video that introduces the topic and then there's a conversation and the, the AI, um, starts asking the person questions and tries to get them to lead to their own conclusions about whether it's, uh, uh leadership. Like one of the things that it starts off with, what is value? And it says, let's have a conversation about value. And what we're trying to do is to get the person not to tell, but to get them to think think it through on the basis that a lot of the knowledge is already in their head. That's right. Prompt, Draw know. out, educare, lead out. Yeah. It, it, it's like, I mean, I go back to rugby. I mean, when I, uh, after I had to give up for injury, I did coaching for a while. And what do you do with 
uh, somebody who plays rugby, well, you have to teach them the basics first. So you, you need to give them some information. Otherwise, you just chuck them onto a pitch. It's going to take them a long time to to learn. So you, you give them some 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 basic education, and then they go out and they they practice some. You show them some skills. Then they go and practice the skills, and then you you give them some feedback on on the skills, and you see their skills improving as they 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 practice. Okay, and so you see them practice for a while, and then you get to that stage where you see them do something you've never taught them, and you go, "Well, you go, well, that's that's amazing." Yes. And I think, uh, you know, education. When I was when I did my first degree, uh, which was in civil engineering, um, two hundred and fifty of us walked into a lecture theatre, and the lecturer wrote notes on the board. That's that's what my educational first educational experience was <laughs> as a, as a, as an under, under undergraduate and students students of all whether they're in their mid forties or whether they're in uh, their teens are going to be using AI so education necessarily needs to move away from giving information. Yeah, you know, and come back to the, to the topic of this this podcast. I think it's about it is about giving them some information in different ways, but mo but increasingly important, uh, allowing them to practice their skills because 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 that's the only way uh, to de uh, to develop. I get I'm I'm um, I don't like to talk. Uh, I try not to be negative about people that are doing education but i've seen the growth in the what's become an industry if there's a leadership industry then there's a project management industry and it seems that there's become something called a change management industry that's right that's right that's and right. they they have qualifications and uh, i'm hugely cynical about them um because i go well you know how can you go on a course and come away with a change management qualification you know, it, it's something that you learn by doing. You you have, a, a, I think you get sort of a, a basting, if you would, of the turkey. You know, you're the turkey. And when you put yourself into these formal degree programs, it, they're going to kind of butter you, butter you up and make you seem uh, and feel more uh, vital uh, and more informed. But Peter Vale and I, and more people than like Scott Allen all all the time believe that it is about helping people become superb learners. That is mm. the job of a business school or any an engineering school. Just because of what you said, when you see them go to a point after you've given them all the basting and all the basics and all that, and they actually go out and do something you didn't and they didn't think they could ever do, it's that moment where they go beyond and now they're fully in charge uh, of their affairs in the moment. Mm. They're, they're going to solve the problem in the moment and they're going to get very quick feedback and they're going to get slapped or they're going to get patted. But one way or another, they're in the do. They're doing uh, what we could generally call leading and why is that leading and not managing well that's an old conversation but it's leading because no one's done that before 
mm-hmm. or no one standing besides can say, no, no, you don't do it that way. This is how it works. They're, they're figuring it out. And uh, that's, uh, as I cap my time off here with you, that's what brings me back to the question that was in your mind when you wrote the, the book about uh, machine versus gardening. And would am I correct in assuming that it's going to take more of a gardening approach to supporting the, the this kind of learning to get superb learning than just to put them through the mechanics of uh, of the more traditional kinds of training and 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 teaching. This, this, I mean, the central theme of the book is that we live in a world which is more and work in a world which is more like an ecosystem than it is like a machine. Definitely. So the same inputs don't produce the same outputs time after time. Um, so the characteristics of that are uh, unpredictability, interdependence, limits of control. Um, uh, so it's more like a garden. Now, what does a garden do? Well, a gardener do? Well, a garden, a gardener experiments. Mm-hmm. They, they try things out to see what works, what doesn't work. Does it grow over here? No, it doesn't grow over there. Does that mean it's a bad plant? No, let me go and plant it somewhere else. Uh, mm-hmm. Does the fact that it doesn't flower, is that the fault of the flower? No, it's not. I have to look at the conditions that, that gave rise to the to, to yeah. the flower and how the flower, flower manifests. The, yeah. if, I grow, if I try to grow, I, I'm looking behind me here, uh, Dave, because this is where it, it was, uh, I try. One year I grew beetroot and it was delicious, really fresh beetroot. Uh, uh, fresh beetroot was absolutely delicious I grew so much beetroot I didn't know what to do with it I did exactly the same thing the next year nothing grew (laughs) what did you do to the soil (laughs) nothing nothing grew it took a taxi driver to say to me ah crop rotation and I was like duh Um, (laughs) but this is the thing if we do the same thing it doesn't even even if we learn something and we do something you do the same thing again the context may have changed yeah so yeah. It, it's yeah. about experimentation and experimentation from learning and yeah. i think a, a key thing here is the the world is inherently unpredictable and what a lot of people try to do in i feel this is the mechanic approach is they try to bend the world to their will <laughs> rather than bending their will to the world, or rather than accepting that they have to bend their will to the world sometimes. And sometimes, yeah. you know, it takes uh, a lot of effort to grow something, and you do need to do a bit of bending and constrain the plant to grow up this yeah. way and trim it. Put them on this, a stake, yeah. Put it on a, put it precisely, put it on a stake. In the book, I have uh, elements of gardening. There are, I can't remember how many there are now, but eight elements of gardening, which I took from a gardening book. <laughs> um, and staking, weeding, preparing, preparing the soil, yeah. you know, abs- absolutely so um, so important. Um, this is even, you know, this this dovetails with the conversation about AI um, because it's we can do things so quickly and we can experiment so quickly. Now, That's this is the key. This this is the key thing. That so is, we, it, it, it's it's so handy now yeah and if you if have an impulse that, uh what if i do what if that yeah it, it took it, me it, a I, long time to simulate that in the classroom 
yeah. and I was considered one of the quicker in getting students to go from A to Z. Uh, but it took a long time, a lot of preparation, and the payoffs weren't always as as tacit as it is now as we try out. Well, I'm going to try out some of your, your simulations now because um, to me, that's the cultivation. To me, that's the sun, the rain, and everything else. If I'm in a place where I'm where my curiosity's been piqued and I have I have things at hand and I can try stuff, whether I'm a senior leader of a company or a 12-year-old, I can get it done faster and get feedback faster. And as we've learned in the agile world, agile world, you know, keep keep the experiment short get the result, move on. That change happened in my career of lifetime, seeing it happening in manufacturing and elsewhere where I was a keen observer. And now because of AI and with your thought leadership developing Gary Lloyd, I think we're going to learn a lot more in the next few years. And probably the person at my side is not a a vampire looking like a 12, a, a, a blonde, blue-eyed kid who wants to deliver my paper, but is actually a very helpful entity that's going to deliver what I need when I need it. A very, a very enthusiastic intern who occasionally will do something completely wrong and you need to say to them, are you sure? Yeah. Can you go back and check that? But yeah. generally, going to produce good results really quickly. But you need to keep an eye on them as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And maybe that's the new supervision. You know, yeah. uh, the the old supervision with the clipboard, and I'm checking you and I'm making sure you do it absolutely correctly. Will be supplanted by someone who's saying, "Go at it," but I'm watching. So, like a coach, you know, I'm seeing you on the field. And, when you yeah. come back in and sit on the bench, I'm going to have a chat with you. <laughs> what were you thinking when you, you know, when you stiff armed that guy? Uh, and, and, but it's their responsibility to go back out on the field, not the coaches. So that's cool. I think, you, I think, I, I think, um, going back to what you said, Dave, is one of the things that gives us, and you go back to your question about, you know, how it shapes education. It gives us uh, an opportunity to learn very, very quickly because yeah. we can experiment, fail, fail better all, all the time. And we can do that very, very quickly. In the past, it would take a long time to tee up some, you know, uh, what we used to do at business schools, stuff like, you know, like um, uh, a simulation. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I went into a room the other day that had three AI characters in it that I created. And uh, it, it, it was like five minutes before I got a turn to speak. They were chatting to each other. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Gary, this is, oh, man. We, uh, I want to I come back and find, find more time with you. Uh, but uh, this has been very satisfying for me. Uh, my, my, my most huge regret now uh, is that I'm not starting my career in 2024. <laughs> with as many years ahead as I had behind me, it's it, it's going to be damn exciting to be any kind of uh, uh, person interested in helping other people grow and develop. Uh, whatever that role may be, it's, to me, it's going to be a lot more exciting. Uh, 
and, uh, and who the hell doesn't want some excitement? <laughs> Good excitement. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Gary Lloyd. David, an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. If you'd like to hear more, go to Automatic, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. And please consider purchasing our book on practice as a way of being at mylibrary.world. It's a digital book with lots of features that you do not see in a conventional book. So once again, thank you, and I look forward to you listening again. Oh, and one more thing. Please check out our webpage at inactionresearch.info.